check, check, check. Yeah, so you can just talk right into the front of that That's thing. Super awkward. Pull it, pull it wherever you need to. Okay. It moves. Yeah. Here, I'll just move myself. <laughs> you can move it over. <laughs> um, it's really fucking hot, so I'm going to leave the AC on. I don't think you can really hear it in here. Oh. Ah, so, uh, <laughs> how you doing? Good, good. Uh, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, I am Katie, and I own Shop 815, which is a candle company, which all of the candles are poured in my backyard. <laughs> um, I mean, this is totally unstructured and totally hanging out and chilling and shooting the shit about whatever. Yep. Um, I feel like a good way to start it is kind of talking about your background, how you kind of got to where you are st deciding to start your own business, why you went the candle route, how kind of all this stuff, you know, wh what your background is as far as work, which we've talked about a little bit. Right. Um, but kind of how you got to starting Shop 815. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I moved out to California about 10 years ago for fashion design school. I went to um, FITM in downtown LA and was going for fashion design, got out of school and got a job at, um, I worked at Quicksilver for a minute and then got a job at Fox Racing. And what were you doing at Quicksilver? Um, Quicksilver, I was in men's accessories. Um, that design. was more of an internship kind of position, um, but for design. And then whenever I got out of Quicksilver, I went to Fox Racing and got a job there. And I always thought because I was trained at FITM to be a, a women's designer, um, that I, that's what I was gonna do. And I showed my portfolio to um, the men's outerwear designer at Fox Racing. And she was like, you realize you're a menswear designer, right? And I was like, oh, really? And she's like, your stuff's kind of masculine. <laughs> So just the Which, stuff you're automatically designing felt more. Yeah, yeah, it was like for girls, but it was definitely a little bit more like, like tomboy, tomboy, androgynous right. stuff. Um, and so it was just kind of an easy fit to move into men's wear design. Um, so I did that for about two years at Fox Racing, and I was their men's wovens designer, and I assisted with um, men's outerwear. And then. After about two years, I switched and I went into contemporary menswear in downtown LA um, at a small company. And I worked there for about four years and headed up their design um, program, the design team, and was creative director of that. And um, which is kind of crazy because I was so young in my career. I didn't really know what I was doing. So I was right. really thrown into it, but that's how small businesses are. And that's actually where I learned a lot about business and what to do, what not to do, trade shows, all of that uh -huh. stuff. Because um, on a corporate level at Fox, you don't really learn right. that stuff. You just sit at your computer and you just do what you're told. Do what you're told, <laughs> right. yeah. So uh, that was a learning experience there. And then um, the company hit some financial issues and um, they basically let go of pretty much everybody except for the free interns. Uh -huh. And um, at that point, I kind of was just over like, working for other people because I felt like I had so many crazy ideas and I wanted to like, I, I just never felt like I was gonna be satisfied working for somebody else. Um, so I had about six months that I had um, to try it out, I guess, and see if it would work before I had to go get another job because right. I was on a, unemployment um, for six months. And I was just like, all right, I gotta hustle. Like I gotta make this work in six months and, um, 
I knew I already knew how to make candles. It was kind of just a side thing that I had done for years. And so I wanted to do that. But then I also realized that candles won't sell easily over the internet because you can't smell them. Right. Um, and especially if you don't have an established customer base. Um, so at that point, and I knew clothing, at that point I um, started selling some accessories and clothing and stuff like that to hopefully drive the company and then maybe if they were there they'd buy a candle when they were getting a pair of sunglasses or jewelry um and it started picking up and in six months we could see the business growing steadily um so i just kept pushing forward i wasn't quite making like a profit or anything at that point but um i just started pushing forward with that and now it's almost three years that i've so been crazy yeah it goes fast oh yeah um wow yeah sweet um, so it, are there plans to get into clothing or do you like it being accessory driven, at least as far as private label is concerned? So, um, I actually had this realization at the beginning of the summer, cause since my background is clothing, the long-term goal was to have my own clothing line. Um, but it's really expensive, you know, this yes. to do, and it's a lot of work and I just didn't have the overhead to start it. Um, and after I started doing the candles, the candles kind of took off and they're unique. And um, I have a very clear vision of like what I want them to be and how I want that side of the business to grow. So I kind of struggled for a while because the two different sides, the candles and then the clothing sides were both growing at the same time, but I couldn't handle the growth of both at the same time because it was a lot to take on. Um, so at the beginning of the summer, I decided I'm going to just move forward with candles and really grow that side of the the brand and the business and um so i'm in the works of rebranding and rebuilding a new website and just moving forward with with candles so so are you going to continue to sell other accessories or no just up? strictly i mean any can or any accessories that i do have are going to be related back to candles uh -huh. um but they'll all be private label or as far you'll still be carrying other brands no they'll all just be well Depends. Most <laughs> most of it will be all private label, like or um, sorry, most of it will all be my own stuff, and then there are maybe like one or two things that I might outsource from other other companies. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, I think as much as I'd like to do, and there was like a struggle with the the clothing stuff, like I didn't want to give it up. Um, but I just have a really clear vision right. on on That's the candle cool. side. So yeah. I'm going to try to move forward with that. And if that grows into something else, maybe I'll eventually someday get back into accessories and clothing. But for now, I'm and just going to. Uh, I mean, obviously, the plan is to continue wholesale. Is that the main, like, I mean, because you don't do trade shows. Is everything kind of word of mouth? Um, yeah, actually, I've been lucky enough that I haven't had to do trade shows because the word of mouth was so good. Um so I just kept kind of slowly growing it. And I knew that if I got too big that I wouldn't be able to handle production. Right. So I figured if I grew slowly that over time, then I could get into trade shows and stuff. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now is figuring out how to get to that next level and do some trade shows and do wholesale. Um, but I would love to build the direct to consumer too, right. which is, why I'm building the website and trying to make that better and have some cool content that people enjoy coming to the website and looking right. at. And yeah. Uh, what about as far as uh, 
um, like trunk shows or things like that? Is there other? Because like I feel like what we kind of figured out was once we got wholesale, which I absolutely hated. Mm-hmm. We <laughs> we started the brand doing wholesale, right? Because that was that was what you do. That's what you, you know, do. That's yeah. What, like six years ago when we started, it was like, what do you like? Yeah, of course you have a website and that's cute and everything, but that wasn't like if you want to get big, you know, you do trade shows and you got to sell to other stores and. So we started doing that, and in our first show, John and I were just like, this can't be right. Like, this can't be the way to do it. Like, we put so much time and effort into, like, designing and putting this cool collection together that we dug, and then you go to the show, and people are like, oh, this is so cool, but, like, my customer won't buy it. Or, like, so you get cool compliments that people like what you're doing, but I felt like everyone was buying really safe because, obviously, they need to make money. and they So you get people coming up and be like, oh, I love this jacket, but can I get, like, five of them in green? And you're just like are you fucking kidding me? Like, you know, and you don't know what to say because it's the only way you're making money. So you're saying yes to everyone. You're just like, we'll figure it out later. Like, right. you know. Um, and then it's only when you go to actually do production for the first time that you're like, oh, this is impossible. I can't make five of one jacket in green. Like, that's right. a, that makes zero sense. And so we came away from our first trade show super discouraged. And this was fall 2010. This was six years ago. Okay. Um, that was kind of a rough time in the market too. Cause was it? I mean, that was our first, that was... Yeah, because I mean, in what 2009, the economy crashed, so the stores were people weren't shopping as as much, and people were really playing it safe. So they were (laughs) they were being really picky on what they were buying and how much they were buying, and you know, picking up new brands that they didn't have uh, any history with. Right. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But we (laughs) walked away from the show, and we were just like. I don't want to do this. Like, this is bullshit. Like, you know, we can keep working on our website, but a lot of the brands that we were into had retail stores and we were used to, um, you know, John kind of, John grew up very hip hop and very used to have a blowout, had (laughs) matching diamond earrings, wore tall tee, had a fast and the furious car, um, played football. He was like, and I was polar opposite. I was in a punk rock band. Like, you know what I mean? We were totally came from different worlds. But all three of us, just because we were brothers, grew up skateboarding and going to skate parks. And so even though he evolved that way and I evolved a different way, we kind of had that in common. And because we were brothers and because we all drove to school together, he'd play his, his music. And Adam, also my middle brother, also listened to more of that stuff. And then I'd play my stuff. And I'd be rapping to shit and he'd be listening to, you know, to right. stuff that none of his buddies had ever even heard of. And he'd know all the lyrics, the saves the day songs or whatever. Right. It was. So we all kind of, even though everything was really separate, we all kind of, you know, dabbled in the same world. So, and Colin, when Colin was over here the other day too, he was talking about how going to school in Chino, how everything was very segregated. Mm-hmm. And not even racially, but as far as like what you were into. Yeah. Oh, so, absolutely. Which I wasn't used to. I went to a totally different school. Everyone was kind of friends. You know, it was very, it was t- the total opposite. So he was talking about how if you were like into punk rock, then like you dressed a certain way, you didn't talk to anyone that was into this or whatever. <laughs> and how he had a buddy wherever he worked. Uh, I forgot where it was. Not a cell phone company. I forgot where he worked. Where one of his buddies was just super rap dude. And they started shooting the shit about like Wu Tang and talking about like, and got him all into like, wait, Wu what? Like, what are they, you know, like, and he explained it to him and started playing like RZA and all this, whatever, all, all kinds of stuff. And he got really into it and he felt like it was this world that like he couldn't really be a part of. And 
he's like, I didn't have a lot of money, but I found this Wu-Tang shirt and I bought this Wu-Tang shirt. And he's like, I went to school wearing like this hardcore, you know, this punk rock kid <laughs> went to school wearing like a Wu-Tang shirt. And he's like, and he's like, I feel like it was kind of one of the steps that broke down some walls. Cause now you have these dudes that know who Wu-Tang is coming up to this, you know, punk rock dude. To, and now you guys are talking about hip hop together. And then and it kind of right. turned into this thing that like Worlds broke down collide, some walls. Yeah. yeah. So the way that we dressed, like, before John was into the whole hip hop world, like he wanted to dress like his older brother. So he was wearing, he was this tall and he was wearing skate t-shirts, like, you know, Tony Hawk t-shirts that were down to his knees. And <laughs> so like we all, like our style all melded because as brothers, we grew up the same and then started sprouting differently, but we were all really close. So we'd all, you know, so we'd go to New York and we'd go to like Supreme and we'd go to A-Life and we'd go to, you know, all these different stores that were kind of skate influence, kind of hip hop influence, kind of, um, like even a lot of streetwear brands that say there's a lot of punk rock influence and they'll rip off punk rock logos, even though they drive around in you know, fast and furious cars, as I like right. to call them and listen to hip hop. And so like, it, it felt very mixed. So when we came to market, a lot of our inspiration, even though we wanted to be American made, we didn't want to be costumey. We didn't want to be like a lot of brands that are like, really like look like you're in the 1930s. Right. And we came from skateboarding. There was a lot of streetwear influence. So we kind of came to the market in this weird place where like we're American made and we're doing denim, but we're not an Americana brand and we still had graphic tees. So things like if we just did cut and sew, it would have looked more elevated, but because we had t-shirts and we didn't want to stop doing t-shirts just to, so like we're in this weird place where like I was, you know, I knew that there were rules that I should follow if I wanted to like fit into a genre, but at the same time I was like, fuck it. Like this is my only chance to make a brand. I want to do what I want to do. Right. You know? So we walked away from that trade show just being like, this doesn't feel right. Like we didn't want buyers to dictate what was gonna sell, what was going to be produced. So we came up with the conclusion that we were gonna find a little retail store and be one of those stores that when people came to New York, like we did, and we had to hit X, Y, and Z, we had our list of stores we had to hit. You were a go-to um, store. We wanted to yeah. be, yeah, that was the idea, was to be, to open retail and to be more of a retail brand and more of a direct-to-consumer brand. So, we had we by the time we figured this out and kind of found a spot decided we were going to do retail we had already we were already signed up and already going to the spring show like you know that next spring trade show so we showed up at the next show not even selling we were already there we'd already paid for it so we weren't going to not do it so we set up and instead of the six months prior where my girlfriend at the time was there, John's buddy at the time was there, everyone was helping us, and I'm yelling at everyone, get people in the booth, you gotta talk to this person, you gotta blah, 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 like make sure you're, did you tell them this, did you? Like, Nazi Germany, the next show <laughs> it was just me and John, and we were like, not even in our booth half the time, we were walking around talking to people, because we, we knew we weren't selling. Right, so we had this pressure's off. This, yeah, so we had this new spring collection, and now people are coming in going, oh, this is awesome, blah, blah, blah. Like, how can I get this in the store? And we're like, oh, we're not selling it. And they're like, what do you mean? Like, I got to get, you know, like the idea of not being able to have it made everybody made want, want it. it. And that show, we got an award for best new menswear brand at the show. And we like, <laughs> we're not even, you know what I mean? Like totally different energy, totally. And that was, that, that was our decision to, we're going to be a retail brand. We want it, whatever. So we opened our first store, did that for a little while, got back into wholesale, and now again, end of fall, we just got back out of it. Right. So I feel like there's a lot of, I mean, I guess it's a little different because it's clothes as opposed to just accessories. And people can't really, as, as far as, aside from sense, people can't really pick apart what you're doing. 
Well, here's you know? the here's the funny thing, and I think it goes across any kind of creative uh, brand that's going into a store. Every single store, every single company thinks they have this great idea of, oh my gosh, let's do a collaboration. And it's like, <laughs> right. that is a great idea. Collaborations are fantastic. But basically what they're telling me, at least with the candles, a lot of the times are, hey, I want your candle with my name on right. it. And I it's like, do I'm not them. doing private label. Um, yeah. If I benefit from the collaboration and you benefit for, from it, then that's a true collaboration. Right, that should be the idea. But if you just want my candle and my product with your name on it, You're then- You're paying me for production. Yeah, sorry, right. no. Yeah. So um, I've had a little bit of a struggle with that. And then everybody, like with the fast fashion, everybody seems to want really quick stuff and they want it uh, new stuff all of the time rather than an established um, product that you keep coming back and you keep buying the same thing they always want new scents or you know or new what, packaging like new, right, or right, right, you know right. and um, I've been lucky enough that I haven't run into problems with that too much but I always have people going what are your seasonal scents and I'm like you know what I moved away from that just like other companies with with fashions you have collections so i tried doing seasonal collections whenever i first started and this is the fall collection this is you know right. that and what would happen is i'd make my production on it and then three weeks later that season's done and then it's on to the next season and i'd be stuck with inventory and yeah. i was too small of a brand to sit on inventory for a whole year and their candles so over time they're not perishable but they kind of are right. and so it's just like you don't want to have it sitting on the shelves for a whole year um so i got away from that and just wanted to have like a tried and true collection and every single scent i felt really proud of and really solid with and um i'll eventually start adding new scents into the line and different collections and stuff but right now it's just like a core core line um and it's funny because as a, a creative, you feel like you always have to come up with something new and fresh. And it's like maybe you never gave the, the first thing a shot because right. even though people like locally might know it, people in another state, let alone another country, have no clue what you're doing. And it's so new to them that if you're changing it up six months in, like you never even gave it a fair shot. Right. So um, that's been kind of an interesting thing with me. I I really do like doing the wholesale because I like networking and meeting people. So I, I realized that whenever I was a designer and I sat at a desk all day designing, I love computers, I love doing tech packs and stuff like that. But at the same time, I lost all communication with people because yeah. um, you're just sitting at your, your desk all day. So having that communication again and being able to email you and meet you and then right. I see you on the streets randomly and we can talk and have a conversation has been really cool for me. Um, but it's a lot of hard work and people dictate your brand. So like, you know, buyers yeah. dictate it and when they want it and how much they want. And I don't know, it's a lot of work. Yeah. So I'd love to grow my online business and have uh, direct to consumer a lot more than what I do now. Um, but at the same time, I, I really get a kick out of like walking into a store like felt rager and right. seeing my products sitting right. on the shelf in new york and i'm just like how did this happen like <laughs> right. this is so cool so i've yeah. been really fortunate with that i mean and you also touched on two things that i feel like you only learn with experience doing this um that there are uh uh your relationship 
doing wholesale and not just sitting at a desk and not just putting product out there and hoping people get it like having our retail store and having john and jenna be there to meet people and walk people through it um is everything yeah. i mean like for you to actually talk to your customers and have a relationship with doors you're selling to like people will walk through the store and then jenna or john will come up and be like oh blah blah blah, and start telling them and do another lap through the store with like totally different eyes now getting what the product is where it came from blah 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 and that second lap is where the sales come in right like it's just so easy to walk into a store and be like oh cool jeans button downs blah 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 but once john walks you through and starts talking about oh this is whatever like our denim our cotton comes from north carolina and blah 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 and this is where it's made and this is this fit and that's why we you know and they're like oh shit you know like you get it so while i feel like that direct to consumer thing is where the future is um you can only do it through like online and you know you do events and you have candles in all kinds of stores and you're going mm -hmm. to meet with your vendors and going to stores and shit like that um which is i think is something that we never really thought of before and well, considered <laughs> you know what the thing is though is what i was talking about is networking and meeting people it's the same thing with the store because i don't have a storefront so you guys right. are my network and the only way i meet my customers is normally through um if i do trunk shows and like events which has been really big for me because i get to actually meet people that have bought from me online right i also um it was really interesting for me whenever I started. I took a really strong stand on like writing thank yous in every single package that went out to uh -huh. people. And um, I hand wrote all of them. And through that, people that would order multiple times, we ended up becoming friends, even though we had never met. And it was like we became pen pals, right, even though they were like written correspondence. Yeah. Right. And um, so it was just kind of really cool. And then you kind of start to get to know what the customer wants and what they keep ordering over and over. So it's like, it's yeah. a really cool way of communicating um, that's not via the internet. Right. Um, so that was interesting for me, but also like, I think a huge part, which what is what you kind of hit on going through the lap in the store, what is happening when you're doing that with a customer is you're giving them the story of what this product is, why it is what it is, why it's special. And once there's a story, behind it right then it's a little bit more personal and they appreciate it more right where again we're also used to this um fast fashion market and everything's disposable like these pieces that you guys are doing are not disposable clothes there's something that's going to sit in your closet for years and years and years and you're going to hand down generation to generation right. um and i think once people get that they appreciate it a little bit more and understand like why the prices are what they are and right. you know why it is so special whereas going to forever 21 you're not gonna hand that down right. to your kids you right. know what i mean like it's gonna shrink and unravel and right, fall whatever apart. fall apart in like a couple washes and it's gonna get trash right so yeah yeah giving that i mean having that relationship for sure and that's why that's something that also like we're constantly trying to navigate with wanting to do more direct to consumer that's why we decided a store in la has to happen we have to have more retail if we're not doing wholesale right we can't just you know be online and then not talk to people and me sit at my desk and not go anywhere and not you know um i mean and the other thing that you were talking about is the whole middle of the country the whole rest of you know mm -hmm. if we're spending time between new york and la that there is a whole group of people that it takes a little while for people to find out about your brand or like our middle brother does marketing um and 
we used to get really frustrated because we'd spend a little money on something or do an event or whatever and be like, why are we not immediately huge? You know, and my mm-hmm. brother would be like, you have to see a name like nine times or whatever the number is before it finally like soaks in and Resonates, before people, yeah, yeah, like remember the name and go, oh yeah. And you know, if you're doing like a mailing list and they're getting it on a regular basis, they might not consciously be like spending time, like going through your whole thing. But if they see that name over and over or they see, you know, a write up somewhere and then someone mentions it and they see someone wearing a t-shirt and they, it feels so much bigger than it is just to them because they keep seeing it over and over. Right. So like you're saying, there are so many people that once product finally gets to them, these people might have seen it a hundred times, but these, these people have only seen it two. Right. So like giving They've that, never heard of you. Right. You know? Giving that stuff enough time to hit everywhere. And, and that's another thing that I feel like is hard with social media because John will put up, John runs our, all of our social media and he like doesn't want to put stuff up because he's like, dude, like, he feels like he sees it every day. And he, I'm like, you're in the store. Right. Like, you know how many people have, you might, he's like, I put it up before. I'm like, you might've put it up once three months ago. And just cause you're staring at it every day, or you're selling it every day or you're, you see it on the website or you're taking pictures of it. You're cutting it out. You're put, you know, like I've only seen that product being out in LA. I've only seen you post this once. Right. Like, why aren't you pushing this jacket? He goes, dude, I push it every day. I'm like, no, 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 no. There's a whole world out there that isn't seeing what's happening immediately in the store. That's a hard thing to wrap your head around when you're like, especially with candles. Like when you're looking at the same things every day and you're just like, Ugh, like having to push a certain scent or having to remind yourself that like not everybody already knows right. what you know is like a whole. And it's hard too. Cause it's like, um, there are brands that are obnoxious about, how much they post. Oh, right. yeah. And it's or just the same like, thing over and over. And honestly, it's so insincere. And it's just like, buy me, buy me, buy me. Uh-huh. And you're just like, okay, like, I don't want to stare at this anymore. Like, I get right. it. You want people to spend their money at your, your company and stuff. But like, I don't know. There's no content behind right. what they're putting out there. And so I've, it's been a fine line for me of like, how often do you post? What do you post? And yes, of course, I want people to buy my product. But I also want people to buy it because they want it, not because it's like in their face over right. and over again. So if right, I mean, they get it. They appreciate yeah. If it, you right. like what the product is great, I hope you buy it. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. And I'm not going to like push it down your throat, you know? So like social media is kind of hard. Cause you're like, there's no rules. There's no guidelines. Right. You just have to figure out what works and what works for one company doesn't always work for the next company. Right. And, that's frustrating too as a business owner because you're looking at it and you're like why isn't this working for me whenever it's like it works for everybody else and I just I've realized for myself that maybe I don't have millions of followers and maybe not everybody knows my brand but the people that do know my brand and do continue to follow me are the ones that I want to be my customers because they actually like what I'm doing and they support it and appreciate it and like I don't need millions of customers that are going to buy from me one time. I want somebody who truly appreciates the product and what I'm doing and the time that I put into it. And yeah, it's hard to wrap your head around that sometimes, yeah. but yeah, no, that's definitely a, I mean, it, it, being in a time where how many Instagram followers you have equals how famous you <laughs> how are. How successful you are. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, I totally understand the frustration and the, you know, um, and it is, it is, it, it's something you have to consciously be like, you know, like there are brands that I love that I wish we were right. that I look up to as designers that every time I make something awesome, then I see something they put up and it's so much fucking cooler. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That have a third of the followers we have and they don't give a shit. They keep right. doing what they're doing and they have their doors and they're every time I see them or run into them or talk to them, they're loving what they're doing and they're 
Like, and it's such a good reminder to like chill the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Get, and that's kind of why we're like taking a step back. We stopped doing wholesale. We're we have a smaller team, but the people that are on our team are so much stronger than they've ever been, and they right. care so much more. And they, you know, um, and not having wholesale takes away this pressure of sticking to this calendar or having to release things on a certain schedule or having to whatever, at least as far as our deliveries and our clothing go, that now without having our middleman, we're doing more special stuff. We're doing smaller batches. We're washing more stuff. So I've kind of gone from wanting, you know, we need to triple how many followers we have on Instagram to, hey, these people dig what we're doing. Every time I see them, they're homies, they're wearing our stuff, they're blah, blah, blah. Like, those are the people I want to design for. Like, let's take this back. Let's open more retail so we can continue to build those special relationships instead of, like you're saying, just blasting. You know, we a, a month ago had a conversation like that about not putting up so much product and putting up more behind the scenes and more lifestyle stuff and more like people understanding what the brand is about, not just buy me, buy me, buy me. Yeah. Yeah. How much work goes into the brand and everything. Which is hard also when obviously you have to make money at the end of the day or your brand does not exist. (laughs) So finding that balance where like you can be chill guy doing what you want and also being able to pay the bills at the same time. And you know, walking that line is something that every day I'm on one side or the other side of it's a battle. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Figuring that out. But yeah, same thing with Instagram and marketing and how, you know, you, tr- like you said, you have to try stuff to realize it works or it doesn't work. Right. And, yeah. I've, you know, I, I did learn from my time in the industry and in clothing was a lot of people at one point, they would have this really rapid growth and really rapid success and they get a lot of money and instead of taking a step back and going holy crap we just did this this is so cool we just landed Nordstrom or Bloomingdale's or whatever it was and just being like wow this is fantastic and we did it in such a short amount of time they were always they got the order and then they were on to the what's next right they're looking down the road they're and I mean maybe that makes them really good business people maybe that makes me a really bad business person I don't know but I think there's such a greed with the money and more 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 that if you can just take a step back and be like wow I'm doing something that I truly love and I'm truly passionate about it and people are digging it and yeah I'm not a billionaire but I'm making decent money off of something that I really truly enjoy then you can then i think the success will come but every single time the greed has like i said that company folded that i was at before and it was because there was too much greed and they wanted more 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 and then they couldn't keep up with it and they lost sight of why they started and it's sad because it could have been something really great for so many people that work there but it it wasn't so i think that's my goal with my company right now it's it really truly is just me running the company and doing everything. Um, and then I have my husband, Ben, who's been like a huge support the whole way through this and he helps take photos and I try to get him to give me business advice and every once in a blue moon, he'll like put in a, a really good point. And I'm like, wow, I needed to hear that, you know, cause a lot of the times I don't listen. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like people like that and just friends that have helped and, you know, people that have supported me and stuff. Um, But truly doing the actual physical work, it's been me the whole way. And some someday I would love to have a handful of employees and give them a work environment that isn't a a corporate thing that they dread going to work every day. And they're like stoked to be doing what they're doing. Um, 
and if I can build that for even a handful of people, that'd be really cool to like have an environment like that and know that these candles are supporting that. And I'd be grateful to be able to right. have that experience. I'm not there yet, but that's kind of the long-term goal for me rather than I want a million dollars in my bank account. Yeah. Right. We all want a million dollars in our bank account, but if we all can just like have a cool living that we enjoy getting up and going to work. And like at the end of the day, whenever I'm 70, I'm not like, wow, I wasted my life. I hated what I did for the last 40 right, years. But look how then, rich I am. Yeah. <laughs> right. then Can't like, take the money with you. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, you know, yeah, that's a good point. I wonder if about. not, I wonder if not being more greedy makes you a bad business person. I've never really thought about it like that before. Yep. Cause I mean, I, my mentality has always been, I want to do what I want to do, whether it's this or anything else. I want to do something that I enjoy every day and I want to be able to have what I'm doing support myself, which there are a lot of artists I know that don't want to do that and rather stay a hobby and don't like mixing the pleasure with the money. Right. And there's a lot of people that do stuff that looks creative just to make a whole bunch of money and that's what motivates it. So I guess, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, that's really what it's about. It's about if you are financially motivated or if you are passionately motivated and, you know, right. and I, you know, I guess it's hard to say that makes you a bad business person, but I'm sure <laughs> I would have more money if money was my main objective. You know, you might make decisions based on how to make more money instead of how to make a better work environment and make product you dig instead of, you know, yeah. it's also a, a retail, like you're talking about, people are always asking for private label or asking for where you could take that opportunity and make that money, but you wouldn't be doing something you enjoy. Right. So that's also a, between our retail and design department, Jenna going, Hey, this is killing <laughs> it. I need more of these. And I'm going, I already made a whole shit ton of those. I don't want to make them anymore. You know? And that kind of like, battle of like okay i was like i'll make you something similar but now i'm gonna do it in herringbone and i'm gonna overdye it instead of just sending you the same olive fabric again or you know like right trying to so you know and then she gets them and she's like oh these are even better but you know <laughs> that kind of shit where it's just that 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 uh making money to keep the brand alive versus doing what you want to do is the constant the constant struggle. struggle yeah which i don't think anyone has figured out and looking at other yeah. brands also going to the trade shows and meeting everybody and i talked to bill about this before too but you feel like everyone else has it figured out. Everyone else's yes. brand is killing it. Everyone knows exactly what they're doing. And then you go to the trade show and you're like, oh, it's going on and blah, blah, blah. And they're just like sweating and desperate. Like, how did you do this? How did you blah, blah, blah? Where did you? I'm like, homie, I'm trying to figure out how you guys are doing this right. also. Like how, you know, and everyone you talk to is in the same like, everybody has how this... is everybody keeping this, you know, keeping composure online and then you see them in yeah. person and everyone's just like, Oh my god! I gotta figure out a better Everybody way to do this. Everybody has this like facade of like they just have shit dialed right, and together, it. and we're all like sweating bullets and struggling, <laughs> right. and like it's you know it's hard. It's so funny. But like I don't know. It's funny too because at the end of the day, I was talking about the money thing, and um, I started thinking about it like right after I had lost my job because. I'm a good worker, like I have good work ethic. So to get let go is just like right, a, a hit to the ego. A hit to the ego because yeah. you're just like, wait, what? And um, you know, I would have never quit the job even though I was miserable at it. I would have never quit because the money. Right. And it was stopping me because I felt like I would be letting my family down and you know. And so whenever it was a forced decision and I didn't have that choice, I started realizing once I didn't have the money that I didn't miss it at all and like having my freedom and my time and doing something I was passionate about 
felt so much better and I wasn't stressed and I didn't have like an eye twitch like every day whenever I woke up, you know? Um, Blessing in disguise. Yeah. So, and then, you know, this year I got to do my little cross country journey and like, had I been working for a corporate company, I would never be able to take off a month to go on a motorcycle trip. But like, I'm my own boss and yeah, I knew I wasn't going to get paid in that month that I took the motorcycle trip, but I knew it was something that I would really enjoy. And like, you know, 20 years down the road, I'd be able to still look back at it and be happy. But had I worked at a corporate job and had, you know, two grand in my bank account from that month of work, whenever I'm 40 and I look back at it, I wouldn't even remember that money, you know? Right. Absolutely. So stuff like that, that kind of like really resonates once you like, realize it it just takes a little realization to to understand it so about the trip that you took yeah (laughs) how did that all come together because i we watched i know bill watched them we watched i watched them with kaylee Mm -hmm. at home and they're not even how do i word this (laughs) not even quality wise it's not like you had a professional team with you right but everything was shot and edited and with the voiceover in such a cool way that I found myself episode after episode kind of being like, uh, you know, trying to play, (laughs) getting really like emotional Emotional. and really like, yeah, it felt like so like, I don't know. It felt like stepping out of your daily life to be like, this is what really matters, you know? Right. Like even just watching it and seeing you do it and was just like, like whatever it sounds so stupid saying it but whatever stress you had like watching this just kind of like this is what fucking life is like right here this is what's cool you know i'm glad to hear that i'm like getting a little emotional even thinking about it but like that is what this that's what we're all fucking here for those feelings that like you know it's there's so much bullshit and you get caught up in so much like day-to-day for you to step aside and go this is something i want to do and sort it all out and figure it out and by yourself fucking pack a bag every day and like there are so many like kaylee and i talk about this all the time this your story like your reason for why you're not doing whatever it is there's always an excuse you can come up with a million reasons why not to do something you can justify it till the day's end there were so many reasons and so many speed bumps that you could have been like, oh, yeah, I really want to do this, but, but right. a bajillion. And at the end of the fucking day, you packed Did your it. own bag <laughs> and you rode across the country by yourself, fucking stressed and tired and not really knowing where you're going and having a pullover and having bike problems. And right. Unbelievable. Thanks. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, yeah, there's a lot that went into it. Yeah, I'm sure. It's, you know, I... I've been riding for a long time and um, it was something I'd always wanted to do. And me and my dad used to do really long road trips whenever, I mean, as soon as I got my license, it was just like, okay, let's go from Pennsylvania to Wisconsin. Let's go from wherever. Right. Um, So I really like long road trips that I'm just like on the bike, enjoying the country and like in my head, like thinking. And um, so I knew I wanted to do a cross country trip. I had always planned on really actually doing it with my dad or with Ben or with the two of them. We've spoke about that numerous times. And at the end of the day, my dad's still working and Ben works and the schedules just weren't linking up. And I felt like over time when, by the time they were ready to do it, like I wouldn't be at a point that I could do it. Maybe the business is too dependent on me and I can't leave or whatever it was. 
Um, I also knew that this summer I was shutting down the website to rebuild it. So I was like, this is this is the summer. Like, this is it. I have a month right. and I'm going to go and I'm going to rethink my brand and just get in my own head and like really because my one complaint is, is like there's no pause button whenever you're a business owner. So there's always something every day that you're constantly thinking about. And I was like, I'm going to hit the pause button right now and I'm going to reset and rethink everything. Um, so that's kind of really where it started from. And then I wanted to document it for myself, for my own purpose. And then once I started thinking about it, um, I don't get me wrong. I love seeing everything that's going on in the motorcycle community. And it's really inspiring and exciting right now. But I also feel like a lot of people are trying to be um, have this facade of being really cool. And, you know, there's there's always a... Not, and it's not necessarily true. Like maybe everybody just is really cool and they're all... You got a tiptoe here. Huh? Yeah, like maybe they're, <laughs> maybe they're all badasses. I don't know. Um, I'm a nerd. So like, <laughs> I was just like, I can't go out there and document this and act like I'm a badass whenever I'm not a badass. Like I, I'm a nerd. Like I really am. Right. So um, I was just like, you know what would be really cool is if somebody was documenting like a true journey, kind of like a... A journal you know and it's just I'm gonna wear my heart on my sleeve and say what I'm thinking and like this is what I thought about today on the bike and it's just about life in general and um you know it, it was just real yeah and I think that's probably why it did resonate um yeah you could have done the cool guy thing and you know people would have been like oh that was cool but there, it wouldn't have felt it wouldn't have been it what wouldn't it, have what been it genuine it been real right and the fact was is like I also went out there and it was just me. So like documenting, I, I don't know how to document things, but I got the shots and that was like my part of, <laughs> of the whole journey, which was kind of hard. Cause like, you know, the bike breaks down and stuff. Your initial reaction is not grab the camera and document. It's right. Oh shit. My bike's broken down. Right. What do I, I do? So what kept happening is like something crazy would happen and I wouldn't catch it on film and you can't go back and recreate it. Like right. it, you missed it so then i'd like go back and i'd be like there's like a hole in the story too of like uh -huh. i broke down so you have to kind of explain like what happened sometimes like oh i i broke down or i dropped my bike or whatever it was that happened um it rained like crazy you know right um and they were really long days and what people don't realize is i would get up really early i'd ride like 400 miles on average some days were really short there were you know 300 miles some days were 500 miles and i crushed like eight states like it, it depended um and then some days you have to stop for the weather and all right. of that but while i'm doing it i'm documenting um i wasn't eating some days because it was just like i need to get from point a to point b and i want to see like this national park well i can choose to eat or i can see right. the national park so i'd get into the hotel thinking i'd eat at night and then I'd realize I was in a small town of like 20 people and there were no restaurants and there was no even fast food or anything so you go like a day and then be like crap I ate an apple so like right. it was really exhausting and then um like just even at the end of the day like packing and unpacking the bike I had about 50 pounds of gear on there and I couldn't leave it on the bike I had to take it off every night and half the hotels I stayed at were like oh there's no elevator you have to carry it up three flights of stairs so it was Holy a shit. lot and then on top of it just the emotional part of it and you're just like oh my god this is crazy so it was really like um a 
really awesome life awareness kind of experience for me and I'm really glad I did document it to share it with other people and whether it inspired somebody to get out on their bike or it inspired somebody to quit their day job that they were just dreading every day and realize like there's more to life like whatever it is that it inspired them like maybe you want to write a book or something and it was like what am I waiting for that was kind of the goal there um and I wasn't you know trying to be anything that I'm not and I think I felt a little bit narcissistic to be honest like filming because it's like who the fuck cares about (laughs) me like I know like you know what I mean like look how cool I am and it wasn't I felt really awkward, like awkward doing it. And I also am not uh, in front of the camera kind of person. So I tried documenting it that way a little bit too. And I was so awkward, like doing it that way. That's why we did the voiceover the way we did it. Like instead of confessional style where you're like talking to the. Because I am just like super (laughs) awkward. (laughs) So um, yeah, I did it like, it made it a little less stressful for me to like do it as a voiceover and luckily enough my husband does um post-production work so i would at the end of the day after everything and being on the bike 12 hours and being exhausted and unloading your stuff and you're dirty and sweaty and you just want to like shower go to bed because you have to be up five hours later to ride another you know 500 miles or whatever i would get into the hotel and I'd have to be uploading, which would take forever because Wi-Fi at the hotels right. were slow. And then I'd have to do voiceovers every night of, you know, what happened. So you'd <laughs> spend shit. another two, two and a half hours doing that stuff. And then he'd be calling me like, dude, I didn't get your voiceover last night. Where is it? And I'd be like all emotional, like, give me a break. I'm just trying to enjoy the road. <laughs> right. like, um, so it was like oh, a lot man. of pressure, you know? Um, but I would not change it. I'm so glad I did it. And like, now I just want to do it more. <laughs> yeah. Like even the editing with the map, like following you where you were going, I was like, how the hell did you do all this shit? Like, yeah. It just came off as, I like that you did the voiceover. I think that was awesome. Thanks. Um, yeah, it was just uh, very well done, start to finish. Is this something Thanks. that you would do again or something that? Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, I again, I want it to be a real thing. I don't want it to be like a planned out, like, this is where we're going to go and we're going to do this and we're going to document it. It's more of a, like, if I go somewhere and do something, whether it be on the bike or it be, you know, just going on a trip and I'm hiking or whatever, like, right. if it's something that I think other people could get inspired by, then I'm going to document it. And, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what comes out of it. I think it was fun for other people to watch. And the reaction that I did get from some people was, like, I didn't think much about going by myself. I'm kind of an independent person, so that didn't, like, phase me. And um, that was the thing I got the most comments on. Like, weren't you scared being by yourself? Like, I'm a dude, and I wouldn't have done that. And, like, it's just funny that people are so afraid of getting outside of their comfort zone. Yeah. Um, But once you're outside of it, it's, you know. Oh, there's a whole world out here. Oh, okay, like, I can do this. And, like, you don't, after one day of being awkward and, like, eating by yourself, which is weird, you know. Right. Like, once you get over that initial shock and how awkward it is, then it is like, oh, it's nothing. And you get really comfortable with that because it comes becomes second nature at that point. And I think people are afraid to take that first step. But right. once they do it, they'll be fine. So same thing with starting a business or anything. Like, right. it's scary. It's a risky thing. And you try it. And sometimes it works. And sometimes it doesn't. Like, my bro- bike broke down. I could have had to have turned around, you know. Right. And it worked out for me, but sometimes you don't always make the trip. It's not always what you plan. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I also think that it is like 
having that content to kind of back up a brand that is really personal and it really is about you. It's not PacSun where they're hiring people to, you know, take lifestyle shots. Like right. your brand is you. You're the person making it. You've came up with the branding. You're making every decision. So documenting something that's that you're doing that has to do with your brand and what the brand is about is like I, I feel like as your brand grows, those are the kind of things that people, it's not just you think about a candle, you think about those videos you watched and, and when you think about a brand, you think about all of that and that's kind of what the brand is. So right. there are definitely people that document themselves too much and they need to calm down, <laughs> but then people that don't and aren't comfortable with it, like it is important. And this is something I have problems with because I'm very shy. I've kind of made John the face of the brand, but there are a lot of times where as a business owner, you have to kind of come out of yourself and you have to you know, be comfortable talking about things you've done or praising yourself or blah, 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 or, you know, in a way that, you know, there is a cocky way to do it. And there's a confident, like conversational, this is who I am. This right. is what I, you know, and there's so, a balance. Like, yeah, that's absolutely. the hard thing. <laughs> yeah. I think it came off very genuine. It was awesome to watch. And oh, thanks. like, I hope you do it more. I hope you document it more and, you know, with people or without or go yeah. different routes or whatever, we'll or, see. you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, I feel like it is to anyone watching. It is kind of a kick in the butt of like, get out of your normal routine and there's other shit out there. Like right. it's not just what you do every day, wake up and robot through life. Like, and, you know, it's, it is really awkward. Cause like you said, being the face, like, I struggled for a long time with this company. Like I said, it's now about three years that I've had the company and I never wanted to be the face of it because again, I'm a nerd. Like I think I'm going to deter people from like right. wanting to buy this stuff because there are so many awesome rad people and they look rad and they dress rad and they listen to the coolest music and eat at the coolest places. And I'm right. like, I don't know what's going on in life. Like right. I don't know what's cool. Um, so like it, I just never felt like I was the right person. And then you kind of like it, something triggers in you that like, I'm kind of sick of seeing all of these other people that I don't feel like are genuine. And it's like, dude, there's nothing wrong with saying like, Hey, I, I am a nerd and this right. is what this I is do. Me. Like right. there's, there's a lot of people that are like that too out there. Maybe they don't find those other people relatable and maybe they need somebody to relate with. So it's been kind of a struggle because like I didn't necessarily want to be the face of it but in that case there's nobody else to do it because right. I wanted the experience so I tried it and um you know I'm sure some people thought it was narcissistic and some people hated it and they thought it was lame and whatever and then there's other people that thought it was cool and to each their own like if you right. like it cool then same thing with the candles like I said if you like them cool if you don't that's cool don't too. Buy them. like right. other people no big make deal. candles you yeah. can go talk to them go try theirs right. you know yeah so. Uh, when uh, do you have a hard date for when the website's coming back? I don't. Um, I wish I had a hard date because yeah. that would make me more of a, a business owner. Um, <laughs> and a lot of people have been asking, but I also feel like once it's up, there's again, no pause button and right. it's up. So I really want to take the time to get it the way I want and not rush myself and not rush the content. and. Um, kind of work things out before it even launches rather than launch something and then be like, oh, I don't want to go that marketing direction and then shift it right. once it's already launched. So um, there's been like a lot of what is the brand and how do I see it moving forward and like a lot of long-term thought process in this. Business planning. And yeah. And, um, you know, I've I've gone back and forth. Like I'll set it one way and then I'll be like, no, no, I want to change it. And so like I'm kind of tweaking it in my head as I go and – I'd like to get it up by the end of September would be my goal. 
but I don't want to like say I have a hard date either right. because if it's not ready, then it's not ready. Yeah. You know. Um, are there things that you're adding aside from that you're trying to figure out and trying to whether it's sections or type of content or things yeah. that you're trying to? Um, yeah, I mean. I don't know if you want to talk about it yet or if you're it's weird it's like i don't necessarily like want to talk about it but i also i can like give you a little detail on it um it's kind of just a different approach to candles um i think a lot of people it's their home goods companies you know and um coming from a lifestyle clothing like background i have more of a lifestyle brand in mind and um i know there's some other people doing it out there i'm want to do it a little different I want it to be genuine I want people to understand the story and know the story and I feel like that's the one thing I did struggle with whenever I had accessories and clothing of like really having people understand what the story is behind the brand and what is the brand I think people were kind of confused so I want to have a little clarity on that and like what the candles are and why they are the way they are and um, so that's really what I'm trying to justify and getting the content built up to to launch it and have a lot of content that's fresh because you know it's hard to keep getting new stuff and it takes a lot of time and being one person like i have to worry about shipping and paying bills and making the candles let alone the content so i kind of want to make sure i have a little back stock of that and make sure it's all 100 percent and the best it can be and before i launch um but yeah, I really want people to understand the backbone of the store. Because like, what was happening for me before, whenever I first started, was I'd post photos of motorcycles. And that was my lifestyle, and that's what I'm around. So it was easy to shoot that stuff. And um, so I'd get a whole bunch of guys that would follow me because of the motorcycle photos. And then i post a bracelet. And then it was like, the guys would be like, oh, what is that? Like, right. I don't want to see a bracelet. And then they'd delete me, and then I'd get all these girl followers and then I post a motorcycle and then the girls would drop. So it was like this struggle of like, who is this company? What are they? And, um, <coughs> bless you. Excuse me. And, um, it eventually started to kind of balance out and the people who liked what I was doing started following me and stuff. Right. But I think it was confusing to the viewers of like, what are you, what are you trying to do? Uh-huh. <laughs> so now I'm like, okay, like we have a story, we have roots, like, and I need to make that clear. And I think that's really what this rebrand is about. It's not, I'm not changing the name of the company. I'm not changing the logo or anything in that sense. Right. It's still the same company. It's just candles and a little bit more clarity going forward. Sweet. So, yeah. Um, can you give us your uh, website, your social, whatever you want to push, <laughs> whatever you want to yeah. um, talk about, send people? So the name of the company is Shop815. Um, it you is. Spell it for him? Yes, <laughs> it's so funny. I didn't think it was that hard of a name, but apparently it's really hard for people. To, what to find or to uh, no to know the spelling and to understand that it's not shoppy. Like, par- <laughs> do people call appar- it shoppy? Everybody thinks it's called like shoppy, and I'm like, have you never heard like the old school right. like way of spelling? Right. I don't know. So it's shop s h o p p e eight one five, and it's just shop eight fifteen dot com and social media is at shop 815 on instagram um youtube is actually going to be through the website um i'm trying to get the domain on that to be at shop 815.com but that takes a little time you have to uh-huh. have a set amount of followers to have that 
for YouTube. Oh, really? Did you know that? I didn't. Yeah. So, I should probably use YouTube. So I'm like, hey, people, if you want to follow me on YouTube so I can get that domain name, <laughs> it's easier go. to find. Um, that I would be great. I, I, uh, wait, is it is it posted on your Instagram? Where did I? It's, yeah, it? I have the link on my Instagram. Oh, to the videos? Yeah, to yeah, the so videos. To anyone listening, that's what we were talking about. That's Subscribe. the videos we were talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah go check it out. Sweet. Um, yeah. And Shop 815 candles have been sold at Feltrager for quite a while we almost since the beginning really it's been yeah. that long yeah yeah we sell them online in store and uh in brooklyn and working on getting another store open in la so we'll have them there too and i know you have a is there a list of doors anywhere um not yet not, not yet but on the up. new new website stockists all the up. stockists will be up sweet yeah awesome thank Hoping you for to do some cool content in. with that too oh yeah yeah sweet yeah awesome thank you guys thanks for having me sweet absolutely right. thanks